and, uh, and we're starting to really see some fruit in our lives. So praise God for that. All right. So um, I'm going to read this to you, verse 7 This is the New King James Version. It says this. God is speaking to Joshua and he says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This was God's word to Joshua as Joshua prepared to go into the promised land and literally lead God's people into the promised land and give to them their inheritance. Give to them the promises that God had made for them. So this was, this was Joshua preparing to be a leader but the implications of this are huge, isn't it? Because if Joshua did not believe God and obey God and lead the people of into, into their promised land, who would miss out? All of the Israelites who would miss out on their inheritance, right? So this was, this was a big deal to God. And this is what the Lord has been saying to us this whole summer practically, is He's been teaching us how to, if you will, in verse 8, how to have good success. How to produce the fruit of God. How to see God's will done in our lives. By success, we don't just mean some, you know, uh, what is that? Some selfish kind of a thing. No, we mean succeeding in what God has called us to. Succeeding in the promises of God to actually see His will done in our lives and in our world. Right? Amen? And this is what we've been learning. Joshua had an assignment from God. Take them in. Get that land. Give it to the people. He had a promise from God that God would be with him. That God would not leave him. That God would do this in his life. I mean, literally, his assignment was God's promise. You will distribute this land to the people. It was God's promise to him. And God said, I'm going to be with you. No man can stand against you. And then he gave him the promise that you will succeed. But he also gave him the means to see that happen. Didn't he? In verse 8, Joshua, you're going to need strength and courage. You're going to need to be strong on the inside. Why? Because this wasn't just like a good luck you go in there, you might win a battle, you might not. Like if we win one, we're good to go. This was like battle after battle after battle. This was years. Right? And this wasn't just about Joshua hiding out in his own life, trying to get a little victory in his own life. No, this was Joshua, public figure, king, it wasn't a king, I'm sorry, leader, general of an army, leader of a nation. He would have been the political and military leader for his nation. Out in the open, everyone can see whether he succeeds or fails, and everyone's depending on him that it would actually happen. And then, of course, everyone else needed to believe God and agree as well and, and step into these things. As well. This is a big deal, right? So he needs strength and courage to be able to believe God and be able to hear God's voice so that he'll have strength to obey him, right? That's what it says in verse 8. Be strong and courageous. That you may observe to do, right? He needs strength on the inside so that he actually can do what God has called him to. And, 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 we, and we've, we've continually said this, doing is the way that you release the things of the kingdom. You've got to do what God says. Right? After, Hebrews 10 says, after you have done the will of God, you will receive the reward. After you have done the will of God, 
So we need strength from the Lord in order to obey Him. But like we said last week, obedience, when, when God makes a commandment and He gives us an assignment and He says, now do this, it's not like Him saying, now jump over the moon, you know, stand on your head for ten years. Like He's not trying to give us something that is impossible. His part is impossible. Our part is always natural, always doable. And what he's trying to show Joshua is he's giving, the Joshua, giving Joshua the very means, the very how-to, simple steps for Joshua to actually build up his strength on the inside so that he has enough strength to do what God has said and God's supernatural power will come into play, right? Is it really hard to walk on water when Jesus is empowering you to walk on water? No. It's absolutely impossible without him but absolutely easy if his power has gone into operation. Jesus said, yeah, Peter, come out here on the water. Jesus, Peter had to obey, didn't he? It was only after he did the will of God, only after he did what Jesus said to do, come out here on the water, that the supernatural power of God came into operation. A lot of us are wanting the supernatural power of God to go into operation, but we're sitting in the boat. <laughs> come on, God, do something great. He's like, I'm out here on the water, Right? So the impossible can happen when you obey God. But you, I'm over here, and the obedience is over there. <laughs> How do you get from here to there? How do you build up your spirit? Through meditating the Word of God. It says right there in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Meditation is the bridge between hearing and doing. It is the, it is the means of building up your strength and gaining momentum, spiritual momentum, so you can actually do what God has said and see it released. Meditation, it's what we're going to talk about today, the power of meditation. Meditation is the means of growing your faith and getting strong, but it also is the very practical how of what we've been talking about this whole summer. How do you stand on the Word? How do you hold on to the Word and believe it in the hard times and in the delay when you already have the Word? And how do you build up your faith in that promise so that you get to a place where you actually see that fruit. It's meditation. It's the means. So here, throw that scripture back up there again. Verse 7. Um, yeah, verse 7, yeah. Let's, let's, let's read this together. This is not just God speaking to Joshua. This is God speaking to you and me about the calling of God and the promises of God for your life. And He's giving us insight into literally how to do this, right? Okay, so verse 7. Let's read it together. Loud, okay, like, like don't just be like, because we're going to read three verses, right? Like, read it like, with some gusto, okay? Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Keep going. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Next verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. That is true for you. That is true for me. See, a lot of times people want the results, but they want, don't want to do that. They don't want to meditate. They, they don't want to apply it to their life. You know, it's kind of like a, a, a coach 
telling somebody, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to do this. Okay? And it's like that person, the coachee or whatever, the mentoree, coming back and saying, now what do you want me to do? And the coach saying, well, did you do this? And did you do that? And did you do this? And the person saying, no, no, I, I didn't do that. I was, I was busy. I was busy. I, I didn't get around to it. But what do you want me to do now? Do this, do that, and then do this. Right? If you're a coach and you've told somebody, now I want you to do this, okay, you need to work on this, and they don't do it, do you move on to the next thing? No. Right? This is not about some religious theory. This is not about this is not about theory, right? This is not about information. Jesus is telling us how to produce fruit in our lives, right? We've been going through the story, the parable of the farmer sowing seed into the ground, right? The sower takes seed and he sows it in the ground into four different soils. One is hard soil, one is rocky soil, one is thorny soil, one is good soil, right? Only one of those four soils produces any kind of fruit. All the others do not produce any fruit. And Jesus has been teaching us how his kingdom comes on earth. How God gets his will done on earth. How on earth, as it is in heaven, actually happens. It's the same thing in Joshua chapter 1 as it is that we've been going through. This is a biblical kingdom principle that God gives an assignment or he gives a command. And then he gives us the means to see that actually produced. Do you see that in Joshua 1? Here is the promise. Here is the promise of success. Here is the means to make it happen. Jesus is explaining to us that there are many people who never see the fruit of the kingdom happen in their life. It is not God's fault. It is not because He's a picker and a chooser. Well, it might have not been God's will or all those other things that people say. That's a theology that's been created out of, from people who are rocky soil. They go through trials, tribulation. They get offended at God, mad at other people. They have the thorns of their life choking them out, right? The deceitfulness of wealth and all that kind of stuff. Rocks and thorns or even just hard-heartedness. You know, you can be a biblical scholar and have a hard heart, right? You know all about the Bible and have a hard heart. The Pharisees were that way, yes? So Jesus is explaining that these people create a theology based on their theory, not their reality. Based on their lack of experience rather than experiencing the kingdom. Well, I mean, I prayed and I believe God and it didn't happen. So which soil are you? Now, hey, that's not to say that hard times don't happen, devil comes in, attacks. But come on, Jesus is explaining it's not God's will. Does a farmer sow seed so it doesn't produce fruit? No. God created you and he has promises that he has made to you. He wouldn't make them if he didn't mean them. And he loves you and he created you for life and life to the fullest. He created you and he has a purpose for your life. He didn't call you to that purpose so you could fail. It's His will to get it done in your life. And God is so good and He's so gracious that on every human being, at least that hears the Word, I mean, notice that if you don't hear the Word, you just don't even have, you're not even in the parable, but on every person that hears the Word, He is sowing His seed on every heart. It's either, no, I'm not going to sow it on that hard heart. No, every person is hearing the Word of God just the same. Same Word, same sure, powerful Word that is guaranteed to bring His will done in your life if you'll let it. Same word, same sower, different soil, right? We are the variable. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What, uh, mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Right? If you sow into your heart words of negativity, lack, death, 
poverty, sickness, that's what you get. If you believe those things, that's what you get. But if you will take the Word of God, which has all the power that you need, this is not like just like some fairy tale or something like that. This is the Word of God. God breathed Word has the very power. He, he cannot lie. He makes promises to you. He's absolutely faithful. And so you're sure that this is true. And He has spoken it to you. And if you'll take the Word of God and sow that in your heart, it will produce the fruit of the Word. Do you see? That's how the kingdom comes. Not as fully grown fruit, but as a seed, an invitation for you to believe the Word and hold on to it. And that's what the Lord has been talking to us about this summer, hasn't He? If you will hold on to My Word and not let it go, it will produce fruit. Why? Because this is about His power, not your ability. This is about His grace, not your ability. See, human reason would tell you, well, no, no you've got to be practical too, Dave. And of course, amen, we believe in wisdom from the Word of God. But usually by, when people mean that, they mean you can't really trust God and His Word. You have to do other things. That's a nice way of just being legalistic. See, religion says, no, you can't be sure it's for you because if you've sinned, what if you've sinned? What if you've messed up? You can't be sure it's for you. You can be sure it's for you because it's His will. And he died and rose again so that it could be yours. Religion and legalism says, no, you're not, you can't be sure because of your sin. Human reason says, well, you can't be sure because you've got to be practical here. You've got to do this, this, and you know, all this other stuff. Right? All that thinking, all those kind of ways of thinking, all that kind of language is what hinders people from receiving what God has for them, and seeing the supernatural power of God go into operation and change us. And so we end up with the, what we can produce rather than what He can produce through our life. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. The question is, are you sowing the Word of God, right? We learned last week that our words have power in life and death. If you're sowing those words of life into your heart, it will produce life. If you sow words of death into your heart or into other people's hearts, it will produce death. It will bring brokenness. Are you speaking words of life? The Lord has been teaching us, if you'll change your words, it will change your life. If you'll align your words with the Word of God and the reality of God's Word, it will release transformation into your life. Why? It will bring God's kingdom into your life. <clears throat> A lot of times I think that uh, if you were really, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we need like a little like uh, invention. You put a little hat on somebody and you can, like, it will take what they really believe about God and turn it into a metaphor. That would be really cool, like a picture. It'll take what they really believe and turn it into a metaphor. And a lot of times I think if we were to do that, put the hat on it and turn it into a metaphor, a lot of times I think we would think faith is a lazy boy. Where I sit here and I tell God what He should do, and I say, come on, God. Why haven't you done it yet? I don't know why God hasn't done this yet. I don't know why it's taking so long. And you're sitting there, and a lazy boy. Or maybe a slot machine. That's what a lot of preachers are, I think. Just ask God. You ever heard this one? You're just supposed to ask God. Leave it up to Him. You ever heard that? That's not in the Word. You know, you just pray for people to be healed. That's, that's all you're supposed to do. You pray for them to be healed. You know, if it happens, it happens. if it doesn't happen, that's okay. Because you know, it's God who does it. God's the healer. I've never seen that in the teaching of Jesus. The exact opposite in the teaching of Jesus. Have anyone else read Jesus? Where in the Gospels did Jesus say, you pray for healing? Never. He said, go heal. 
Why? Because he was absolutely convinced. What, what, you ask, and it might happen, it might not. You just, but you ask anyways. Slot machine God, right? Ching. You might win, you might not. Rolling the dice, right? Good luck charm. Where do you ever see that in the teaching of Jesus? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Why? Because he's absolutely convinced. Because he knows the will of God. He knows God's will. And he's trying to convince you of what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. Ask anything in the Father's name and it will be done for you. Now we're not talking about you know, your selfish little prayers. We're talking about the kingdom of God according to the will of God. He said, you lay hands on people, they will recover. That's His will. We release that by faith. Right? What else? Uh, microwave Christianity, right? Boom. Faith is a microwave. Well, I come to church, I make that cool declaration, pray about it real quick, and bam! Microwave happens! Right? Bam! If supernatural must mean fast, Right? Every time Dave says supernatural, it must mean it happens really fast. Yeah, because supernatural means I don't have to wait for it. Yeah, because that's what I don't like doing. So supernatural must mean what I like. No. Supernatural does not mean immediate pleasure or success. Instant gratification, right? So if we could put a helmet on you, what would your concept of God and of faith look like? Well, put the helmet on Jesus for a second. It's Matthew 13, isn't it? What is the metaphor that Jesus could come up with in his brilliant mind to explain to us what the a right theology, what the kingdom of God looks like? It's not a slot machine. It's not a microwave. It's not a lazy boy. It's not any of those things. What was it? Farming. Yeah. Farming. What? You couldn't think of something a little bit more pleasurable? A little bit more easy. Yes, Jesus is explaining to us that the way that the kingdom works is like farming. You know what farming is like? Hard work. See, it's not complicated. The way the kingdom works is not complicated. It's just not American. And therefore, many believers, many believers, their rocky, thorny soil not producing fruit, feel choked, feel, uh, have theory but no reality, what the Bible calls a form of godliness, but denying its power, not producing fruit, and then we blame God. Or we come up with theology. Well, you know, what, revival waxes and wanes. You know? Sometimes revival comes, and then it goes. And it's a messed up theology based upon our lack of experience, not based upon the truth of God's Word. See, here's what you've got to do if you're a farmer. Number one, you've got to prepare, don't you? You've got to prepare. You've got to have a vision spurred on by need, don't you? Shoot, man, if I don't, if I don't sow some seed in about six months, I'm not going to have any crops. And then when I really get hungry, I'm going to be, I'm, we're going to be shot. Right? Well, man, up a creek without a paddle if I don't prepare. Right? The Proverbs say, the diligent sows in season, but a lazy man refuses to, right? He won't. See, a farmer thinks preparation. 
thinks future. Thinks there's going to be an opportunity in about six months and I've got to prepare for that opportunity. There's going to be a trouble, some sort of circumstance that I need to prepare for. It's called hunger. It's called my mortgage. And I've got to prepare for that thing to happen. God has a plan for your life. He has a calling for your life. He has promises He's made to you. There are opportunities just down the way. Doors that could be open. Well, you know, God opens doors and He closes doors, you know. And the... What are you talking about? There's probably a closed door down the way that He wants you to kick down if you had the faith for it. He's got opportunities down the way. And He knows what problems are going to come down the way too. He knows everything about everything. Did, didn't Jesus say, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and He's going to lead you into all things? He's going to tell you things to come. Is that what He said? He's going to tell you things to come. You know, if you want to know what happened yesterday, you read the news, right? Or you want to know what's going to happen tomorrow? You ask the Holy Spirit. He knows what's coming down the road, and He wants to prepare you. But guess what? He doesn't give you fruit. He gives you seed. And a lot of Christians, they get into that trouble, and they're getting into their seed pouch. That doesn't do very, That doesn't taste good. Hard to swallow, and it doesn't really satisfy, does it? A lot of people, right? I'm in the trouble, I go to church. Want the quick fix, microwave. Right? Oh, get the Bible out. No, no, you don't understand. You've got an opportunity. How many people, you don't practice hearing God? You don't meditate on the Word? Not be, I'm not being like negative right now. I mean, like, how many people are like this? They don't meditate the Word, they don't practice hearing God. Something happens, I need to hear God should have prepared and that's what we're talking about right now you got to prepare farming also takes patience doesn't it you sow that seed you don't see anything happen for a while you don't get the fruit right away it takes patient faith as we've talked about right holding on to that word and not letting up and not letting the rocks and the thorns and the hardness take it out but holding on to the word it takes hard work to get the rocks out and the thorns out and the weed and all that kind of stuff the metaphor for the kingdom of God and for your faith is farming. Do you think like a farmer or do you think like a lazy boy person? Do you think like a farmer or do you think like a slot machine? I'm going to go to Las Vegas. I'm going to go to church. I mean Las Vegas. I'm going to throw some dice. I threw a prayer up to God, you know. Whatever God wants to do, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like I just figure like whatever happens, it's like God. I just like rolled the punches. Yeah, Okay. Try to live that way. That sounds good. Most people who say that, they're usually living in poverty and lack. Um, and they're like, well, I just, you know, just go with it. Just go with it. Okay, just keep going with it. Just keep going with it. <laughs> and go a certain direction. All right, that probably wasn't very funny. I think everyone was like, ouch, Dave, that was kind of like rough. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. He is telling Joshua how to get ready, build up his faith so that he can succeed. He's telling him ahead of time, isn't he? Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. You only say this. You align your words and you come into agreement with the word of God because this is truth. This is reality. This is life. This is God's word. Not man's word. This is God's word. And you line your mouth and you say, I'm not going to say anything except what the word says. I'm going to agree with what God says. And you meditate in it day and night. Meditate out loud, right? Do not let this law depart from your mouth. But you meditate in it day and night. Constantly. Over and over and over again. Like a cow chewing the cud. Over and over and over again. Chewing on it. Chewing on it. 
Remember last week I said a lot of Christians, they feed me, feed me. Jesus says, chew, chew. (laughs) Right? We've got to learn how to take the Word of God, the seed that is sown into our hearts through the preaching of the Word, and feed on it. And meditate over and over again. What does that mean? You take it and you personalize it. Put your name in it. You preach it to yourself. You pray it back to God and you declare it back to God. You sing it. You study it. Think about it. You ask those questions that you don't have the answers to and then you find the answers. I mean, you either ask the Lord or you go ask somebody and you just wrestle with it. Right here on a Sunday, I give you the seed. But the, the work begins when we're done, right? This is the beginning of the conversation with the Lord. This is the beginning of sowing, not the end. This is me empowering you to do what you need to do every single day and all day, day and night, day and night, right? Come every Sunday, hear a sermon. Where do you find that in the Bible? Nowhere. Why? Because that's not what's going to bring victory. Whoa. I'm not necessarily like rebuking anyone here, but like, was that not just like an awesome revelation? <gasps> oh my goodness, really? It never said that in the Bible? So then you got some people who are like, well, so do you, I don't have to go to church. What are you talking about? No, you need the word preached to you. You need fellowship and community. Encourage one another daily. Really, the Bible's answer in Hebrews 3 was not don't go to church, it was go to church every day. We replace some of that by doing our devotions and, and, uh, and, uh, and listening to messages and things like that, maybe in some of our culture. But literally, the Scriptures call us to every single day. Why? Because we forget, don't we? What did James chapter 1 say? People come to church, they hear the Word, and then they walk away. And it doesn't say they forget the message that they heard, by the way. They say, it says they forget who they are. It's like a man looking in a mirror and then forgetting who you are. You walk away, and when you get into that circumstance or that situation... Like the bills are big or somebody yells at you and is mean to you. You forget who you are. You forget, I am the righteousness of God. I'm a child of God. God has promised to provide for me. And all of a sudden, you forget that and you're like, Oh my goodness, how are we going to ever provide for ourselves? We need to turn to our God, MasterCard. Right? You just forgot who you are. You just forgot the covenant. Why did you forget? Probably because you weren't meditating the whole rest of the day. Does, uh, you see what I'm saying? You, we are, we're so forgetful that we forget who we are. Somebody yells at you and you yell back. You forgot who you are. You're a child of God. You're a representative of the king. And when that bleh, is coming out of your mouth, then that's what they think Jesus is like. Right? The only way to remember who you are He keeps looking in the mirror. The mirror of God's Word. The only way you can be strong enough to obey Him in the hard time, in the storm, in the wilderness, in the temptation, is to meditate the Word day and night. Because a lot of times we don't know when that opportunity is going to come. We don't know when that trial is going to come, do we? We've got to think like farmers. Sow that seed and get ready for a harvest. So when we need it, we're not trying to eat seed. Oh, quick, quick, sow the seed. Okay, how do we do this? Miracle grow, right? I'm sure they came up with some gamma ray technology. Get that thing growing fast. Come on, come on. I need faith right now. Someone's sick. I need faith. Oh, by your stripes I'm healed. By your stripes I'm healed. Okay, I'm going to lay my hands on people. They will recover. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. They didn't get healed. Dang it. Why didn't that happen? Maybe it wasn't God's will. Maybe it's because you weren't sowing seed. Maybe it's because you weren't building your faith. You see what I'm saying, right? Here's how it works. You guys know what feedback is? You guys ever hear while we're worshiping? We're like, we love you, Jesus. And, ah! 
<laughs> that never happens here, by the way. Like, never. Huh? And plus, you guys are so spiritual, it would never distract you. I love you, just be. I'm just in the prison. I'm in the holy of holies. And it wouldn't even distract you, right? No, don't you hate feedback and it, like, hurts your ears? Okay, you guys know what feedback is? Here, I'll show you. Just show you. I won't show you. You know what feedback is, right? Okay, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a technician, but Scott Lucas, he told me how this works. If I take a microphone, okay, the microphone is the input, right? Blah, 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 goes into the microphone. The output is the speakers, right? In, out. Feedback loop happens when the output goes into the, uh, pointed toward the input, right? And what happens is the out goes into the, or I'm sorry, the, no, I'm sorry. No, the input... No, wait, hold on a sec. See, I told you this is going to confuse you. The output goes into the input, and it starts increasing. Hypothetically, it creates this loop. The sound coming out of the... The sound goes into the microphone, comes out of the output, goes back into the microphone, goes back through the output, and it gets louder and louder into these high, shrill, shrieking frequencies, right? And it hurts your eardrum. It created something, didn't it? Right? It created it. And now it happens, like, totally in split seconds, by the way. But it just creates this momentum of sound and this high frequency. And like Scott Lucas told me, hypothetically, it, could, it would just keep getting louder and louder and louder. That is what meditation is like. In a good way. There's actually good feedback too, by the way. There's good feedback too. I mean, like, scientifically. Literally, the word goes into my heart. Okay? Don't have much faith yet. Word goes into my heart. In fact, maybe you heard the word and it just made you grumpy. Happens to me a lot too. That would be evidence of not very much faith. Okay? Bam, goes into your heart. Comes out of your mouth. Goes back into your heart. Because when you are speaking words of life, it is feeding your spirit. Okay? You're literally declaring the word of God. You may not even have much faith, but you are saying, I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to speak what the word of God says. It goes into your heart, strengthens you. Comes out of your mouth again, strengthens you. Comes out of your mouth a little bit stronger, strengthens you. Comes out of your mouth even a little bit stronger, strengthens you. And it literally creates momentum like a feedback loop. And that's exactly what uh, God is talking to Joshua about. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. How do I do that? I've got no momentum right now in my life. Now, a lot of us, we do. But I'm just saying, let's say the person, I've got no momentum going on. I'm like a train just sitting there. Nothing. Right? No faith, no motivation for God. Not, I don't believe it, you know, whatever. Okay, let's say there's a person like that. Literally taking the word of God, because this is truth, this is reality, and getting it into my heart, hearing the word, and then speaking it out of my mouth, even if you don't even really believe it very much yet, literally will create a feedback loop. It will increase and increase and increase and increase and create momentum in your life. It's exactly how it works. So you feel like that train. What does that train need? It needs some push, right? Get a big old crowbar. You start pushing down on that crowbar. Get that wheel moving a little bit. Push down a little bit more. Get it moving a little bit. Push down a little bit. Right? An object in rest will stay at rest. Object in motion will... Right? Most Christians, object at rest. You get that crowbar under that train, you start pushing down on it. It starts moving a little bit. Push down on it some more, it starts moving a little bit. What happens when you get that train moving? Unstoppable force. What was Acts chapter 2? Unstoppable force, right? What happens when you get a, get a group of believers 
who begin to believe God and it's coming into their heart and coming out of their mouth and going into their heart and coming out of their mouth. It creates that feedback loop and it creates that momentum and it creates that fire that cannot be stopped even in our lives or in transforming nations. This is how the kingdom operates. The kingdom operates through this kind of growth. Look with me in Matthew 13. <clears throat> Should have had you turn there, but, you know, earlier. Okay, Matthew 13. Don't worry, I won't repeat the uh, whole parable again. We're going to go after the parable of the farmer and the seed, and Jesus has not really... Jesus has basically been telling a bunch of different stories, farming metaphors, to explain how the kingdom works. And now he's going to explain in verse 31 and 32 another dynamic of how the kingdom operates. Similar concept here. Verse 31 and 32. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He explains that the kingdom of God comes like a seed. And do you notice who's sowing the seed in this parable? It says a man sowed it in his field. Right? That field is your heart. And a man came, preached the word of God to you, or you read something in the word. Okay, it can happen a lot of different ways. You get a prophetic word. You read something in the Bible. You hear a preacher say something, and you think, I would like that. I would like that in my life. I would like, I would like to know God. I would like to believe God. Well, I'd like to be confident. Well, I'd really like to be free. I'd like to have joy. That'd be nice. Not to be worried all the time. That'd be cool. Okay? That seed goes into your heart, and it's the smallest of the seeds. It's a mustard seed. Your bills are a big mountain. The kingdom at this point is a little tiny seed. And this is why so many people become disillusioned. Because they see the verse and they see their life. They see the verse and they see the world. They see the church, small little tiny seed, and lots of problems in the world. And they forget that we're the salt and the light of the world. We're the hope for nations. That the gospel is the power to save all those who believe. Literally, whole nations can be transformed by the power of the gospel. But it's a little tiny seed. Your bills, little tiny seed. And what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is like a man who would take that seed, put it in his heart, and grow it into what? The largest tree. Right? What happens is the kingdom always grows by multiplication. The kingdom grows. And it gets slow. It's slow at first, isn't it? It's slow at first. It's small at first. But we all know that multiplication is the fastest way, right? Once, once multiplication begins to pick up, you get exponential growth, do you not? It's how the kingdom grows. Two times two is four. Four times four is 16. 16 times 16, right? Move on. Da, 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 da. It's growing, doesn't it? When you start multiplying, things grow exponentially. And that's exactly how the kingdom always grows. Starts as a little tiny seed and begins to multiply. It looks slow at first, but it gets bigger. <clears throat> See, let, let me use that illustration for a second here. So you got your bills, your debt, or the job you don't have. And you have a little seed that says, God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory. Now that's just one verse. 
out of like hundreds that would tell you that it's God's will to take care of you and provide for you. I could probably stand up here, and I probably will in the near future, and just go verse after verse after verse to convince our hearts. He says it over and over and over and over again in the Word that He is our God and He wants to provide for us. But the problem is, is that that's a theory to us. That's not reality. The problem is we don't really believe it. You're like, well, I believe it. But if you believed it, you would obey, right? It's called the obedience of faith. If I tell you, hey, go to my office tomorrow morning and I'll pay your debt off, you would go because faith obeys. You believe me, so you do what I say. I mean, it's just simple, right? So we don't talk like we believe God and we don't act like we believe God because we don't believe God, right? It's just a little seed right now. But you take that word and you say, you know what, Whether, when, no matter what my circumstances are, and no matter what I've done in the past, just praise God for the grace of God, right? You get honest with God and say, yeah, I don't really believe you in this area. Like, I'm really having a hard time with that. Like, really, in my real life, I don't see fruit in my life in that. And you don't blame God. You take ownership and you say, but you know, God, your word says, your word says, you know, it is written that you will supply my need according to riches and glory. And you start taking that seed. Why well, all the other ones? And you start saying it, and praying it, and singing it, and thinking about it, over and over and over again. This is not positive thinking, self-help. This is your words strengthening your spirit to walk in kingdom realities. We're not talking about natural things. We're talking about supernatural things. And as you begin to build up your faith, you realize, oh, 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 it's His glory, not my glory. Oh, it's His riches, not my riches. Oh, it's by Christ Jesus. Oh, His riches of glory, by Christ Jesus. Oh, it's by Christ Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus, it's not me, it's Jesus. And what happens is, a couple of things happen. You get strong and your faith gets built up and it's what's called the renewing of your mind. Amen? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your, the Word washes your mind and begins to change the way you think. So much of what needs to happen just needs to happen between our two ears. Just that right between the left one and the right one, right there in the frontal lobe, no, something has to take place where all of a sudden I don't think of money as my God. I don't think of money as this, that, or the other thing like we usually think of it. We think of it like God thinks of it. You begin to see things totally differently. You begin to see yourself totally differently. You begin to see problems totally differently. Opportunities totally differently. You begin to approach those bills like God's going to provide for you. You get a bit of an attitude and confidence starts building up in your heart. And what begins to happen? Well, a couple other things. You begin to hear the Lord. You begin to hear God for your life. Things you need to change in your life. Attitudes you need to change. Words you need to change. Thoughts you need to change. Actions you need to change. You begin to hear God. And you get strategy from the Lord. And sometimes it's really simple, you know. I don't have a job. You start building up your faith. Oh, I should go look for one. You'd, you'd be surprised when somebody doesn't have faith, what just is just not happening up there, right? So sometimes it's just real simple. But other times, it's not that simple, is it? Huge amounts of debt gone by the grace of God, by the favor of God, because you've been building up your faith. We're talking about supernatural things that happen. 
This is how the kingdom grows. This is how you build up your faith. How did it work for Joshua? How did it work? He built up his faith. And did he just have a book? Did he just have a book? Or did he hear God for a strategy for how to win victories? Didn't he? Was it just theory and principles in a book? No. This is a God-breathed book that God wrote. And that same Holy Spirit who wrote the book, he's living inside of you. And the Bible says, Psalm 119, this, the book, the word, is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. How can it be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path if God cannot give you specific instructions for your life right here, right now? I said it last week. Your job is in this book. Your victory is in this book. Your freedom is in this book. Why? Because it's in a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. Why? Because as you meditate the Word of God and God's reality becomes my reality, you position your heart to actually hear God and do what He says. Because God's speaking to you. Just a lot of times we just don't have anywhere to put it. It's called the hearing of faith. God's like, I love you, and we don't know where to put it. I want to bless you. I got nowhere to put it, you know, nowhere to, no, nowhere to hang it on. We got to build up our faith. How did it work for Joshua? God said, you're going to part the Jordan. Was Joshua like, okay, 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 we're going to go in. I read the Bible. I read the Bible. We're going to, flies. Yeah, I'm going to turn water into blood and then flies. Because what happened with Joshua, God said it. He was with Moses, and now he's going to be with me, so I'm going to do the fly thing. Did he do that? No, that's called religion. You know what I'm saying? Ha, okay, I read the book of Joshua, now I'm going to walk around my house seven times. It's like, okay, if God told you to do that, do that. But like, you're missing the point. The point is that he heard God. Right? Oh, I mean, okay, I should walk on water. Peter heard Jesus say, come. Yeah? Come. Just because it worked for somebody else, and just because it worked last time, doesn't mean it's going to work this time, because you need to hear God. You need a strategy from the Lord. And so Joshua stood uh, at the Jordan, which, by the way, I mean, it was a rushing river, but they could have, you know, well, I guess it was a rushing I guess they needed to part it. But, I mean, it wasn't like the Red Sea, okay? It was just like a rushing river. But God's like, I'm going to part that, because I want to exalt you today in the sight of your nation. And so God did. It got out in the middle of Jordan, and it parted just like the Red Sea was parted. Why? Because he built up his faith that this is my God, that if he can do that, he can do this, that he is with me, that nothing is impossible to God, right? He got the heart of it. He got the heart of the promises and the fact that he's with me and he's for me. And then when he got to the Jericho, God, through an angel, said, you're going to march around. He didn't march around seven times, by the way. He marched around six times for a week, once every day silently, while everyone probably made fun of them. Actually, they were pretty terrified, so I'm not, I always wonder about that, you know? Then, on the seventh day, they walked around multiple times, seven times, and then shouted at the wall. I love to talk to my son about that, because I'm like, buddy, how did they, how'd they get that wall to fall down? Ram their shoulder into it? Do you see what I'm saying? Did they, well, they shouted at it. Oh, yeah, so they're like, their shouts were so loud that it caused like a seismic activity and caused the walls to fall. Come on, give me a break. We're talking about the supernatural power of God. And when God comes through for you, you get to say, huh, look what He did. Because I heard Him and I did what He said. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. Amen? Because I walked around a city because He told me to. It only worked because God told them to. And then they shouted at those walls 
and the supernatural power of God went into operation because they believed God and did what He said, and bam, the walls fell down. Right? And that's how it's going to happen in your life. It's not a microwave. It's not a lazy boy. It's you coming into agreement with God and partnering with God and meditating His Word until you have faith and you hear Him. It goes into operation. This is how it works in my life. I'm a farmer. If I see something I want in the kingdom, I go after it. I think ahead. I pray into those things. Now, sometimes I'm being spirit-led. The Holy Spirit will actually tell me sometimes, hey, you need to get ready for this, or you need to you know, work on this. Other times it's just me going after it or something like that. You, know, you don't have to wait for like, the Holy Spirit goosebumps to like, actually be disciplined, right? I mean, you, you've heard me say before, but about a decade ago, no momentum in my life. Lost vision, lost hope. I was depressed, struggling, didn't believe that God loved me. I mean, I was the train just sitting there, right? But what did I do? I decided in my heart, I'm burning the bridges. I'm going to say what God says. This is reality, whether I feel it, believe it, understand it or not. I'm going to take the Word of God and meditate. I would listen to people preach the Word who had faith. If you listen to people who don't have faith, they're giving you bad seed. Listen to the Word of God from people who have faith. goes into your heart. Now you have something to actually speak back to God. You took, I, just, I would take the Word of God. Just meditate the Word. Ephesians chapter 1, talking about being chosen and loved, holy and blameless in God's sight, adopted. 1 John 4, the Bible says that perfect love drives out fear. See, when I, when I became a Christian, and even a decade ago, fear characterized me. It wouldn't necessarily like see it all the time. You know how that manifests little, little ways in various relationships or work or ministry. Many times we know deep down we're really just afraid. We're insecure. We're afraid. We have anxiety. I said, you know what? Perfect love drives out fear. See, the strategy for your freedom is in this book. But it comes in the form of a seed. And so I saw a verse that said perfect love drives out fear. And I said, boy, hmm, let's see. I'm a rocket scientist. Oh, I probably should know something about God's love. That might help. Do you see how brilliant I am? Genius. Perfect love drives out fear. Oh, love. Do you see that the only thing that I'm doing... Oh, this is because you're a pastor. This is, you're so amazing. You read the Bible and it just makes sense. No, it didn't. Okay. I looked at the Bible and I took it at face value. Well, it says it, so that must be what it meant. That's what it means. If perfect love drives out fear, well, then that's what it means. I must not have perfect love because I have fear. So you see how just, just being honest with God, real, and just looking at it at face value, just very simple. You don't need even to study the Greek or the Hebrew. Perfect love drives out fear. Well, what does that mean in the Greek? Same thing. Okay. I mean, might help a little bit with the whole Greek and the Hebrew, but you know, whatever. So, I mean, I do all that kind of stuff, but this is pr- primarily what I do. I go into the Word of God, and I chew on it, and I meditate, and He speaks to me, and He reveals things to me. That's why I have fruit in my own life, and not just, I am a wonderful seminary teacher that can preach, or teach wonderful information. I can do that too, because I study the Word, and I'm very diligent. But I have fruit in my life because I meditate on it. And so, back in those days, I just said, I'm going to say what your Word says. You love me. And I went into Ephesians chapter 1. God exposed to me. Again, this part, all part of the journey doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens because, you know, you're in church and you're hanging out with people and you're getting real with God and you're meditating. And God said, you know what? You are angry person because you fear that I'm angry at you. I'm like, man, never would have connected those dots. 
Now that just doesn't really make sense. I have anger towards people because I think you're angry. No, 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 no. I'm angry because they're stupid. No, you know. No, I mean, like, you just don't make those connections, and God showed me, no, you have fears of rejection that are deeper than you ever know. You have these, these, uh, you think God is, you think I'm angry at you, and he told me, he brought me to Isaiah 54, and he, well, it's actually while I was reading it, and he said, if you will learn that I'm not angry, you'll know how to love your wife. And this is when we were actually dating, or engaged, I think, at that point, you know, we were getting towards that. And uh, what did I do? Oh, that's a good word, God. That was a good word. Put the Bible on the shelf. Forget about that. Wait to the next series. No, what did I do? I took Isaiah 54 and I read it every day, every week. I began to pray it, began to sing it, I began to meditate on it. And of course, because I'm me, I would study it and cross-reference and do the Hebrew and whatever. But you don't have to do that. You just need to take the word and read it and read it and read it. I usually have a, I usually have scriptures that the Lord has been revealing to me for the next season. I remember there came a point in my life where I realized signs and wonders are not following me. Where did they go? In fact, they've never been following me. I had a lack mentality. I had a po- oh my goodness, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, ooh, man, a decade ago, ooh, I had such a poverty mentality. And I, no signs and wonders following me. I remember one time somebody said, Dave, we're not supposed to be, you know, because we saw healing happen in our church. Somebody got healed in our church. And they said, we're not supposed to be pursuing signs and wonders. Well, right, but they are supposed to be following us. Like it says, if you believe, signs and wonders will follow you. I ain't seeking after signs and wonders. I'm just wanting them to follow me. So I'm thinking, if they're not following me, maybe I'm not believing. And I thought to myself years ago, hmm, well, I wouldn't want someone to be sick and me all of a sudden, okay, this is not fear, but this was a farmer. This is my farmer mentality, my vision mentality. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't want someone to be sick and then not have enough seed to see them healed. Well, I better get on it, shouldn't I? Right? Tyranny of the urgent. We never think about that kind of stuff, do we? With anything. Well, as long as I have a job, I don't need to build up my faith about any kind of finance or anything like that, right? I'm not sick. I don't need to think about it. What are you talking about? We need to come into agreement with the Word of God, not just for us, for other people. Right? Build up my faith for me and for you and, you know, whatever else. So I began to go after it. I began to study about healing and of course, I had a million questions, all the questions that everyone else does. But I kept going after it and going after it. I started agreeing with the Word of God, saying what God says in His Word. And guess what happened when we started to agree with God and say what God says? <gasps> People started getting healed. Oh, no! <laughs> and then what do we do now? Not everyone gets healed. We don't have a hundredfold fruit. Oh, no, is it because it's not God's will? No. It's because we need more fruit. We need more of the kingdom in our life. We need to come more into agreement. Did Jesus ever pray for somebody and they didn't get healed? Nope. He was a hundredfold fruit. So what do I do? I beat myself up. No, I don't. Yeah, condemnation, that really works. That's a bad seed to sow. No, I take the word. I go back to the word and say, your word says this. And I come into agreement with the word. And I stand in faith. And what happens? More people get healed. You know what I'm saying? This is how God has broken anger in my, off my heart. This is how confidence has awoken in my heart. This is how purity or freedom or humility has come to my life. Because I take the seed of God's Word and sow it into my heart and it produces God's fruit. The question that I want to leave you with today is what do you want? And what do you need? They'll take care. They're, so they're going around out there to take care of that. What do you want? What of the kingdom do you want? 
What of the kingdom of God's will do you need in your life? If you need tomatoes, what do you do? You plant tomato seeds, right? My daughter loves tomatoes. Absolutely. She's like a vegetarian, I swear. Right? My son, like, randomly loves cucumbers and, like, lettuce. Like, I'm like, who are you, kids? Who are you? <laughs> Children of your mother. It's not from me, okay? If my daughter wants tomato seed or tomatoes or needs tomatoes, if, if, if my kids need something in their life, what am I going to do? Well, you go to the store, right, Dave? No. Plant tomato seeds. Your kids need something in the Lord? You need something in the Lord? What do you do? You plant that seed. You plant that seed, right? And as you grow your faith, the Lord is going to speak to you, and you're going to reap a harvest. Amen? All right, stand up. Let's respond to the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen? This is what they did. Patient faith. This is what they did. So, is this what we're going to do? Let's imitate, right? Why don't you repeat after me? Say, Lord, we agree with your word. We will not say anything that your word does not say. You are truth. Your word is reality. The revelation of your will. And I agree with your word. Even if I don't feel it. Even if I don't see it. Even if I don't understand it. Show me the truth. Reveal your word to me. Open my eyes. I will agree with you. I will say what you say. I will believe you, all your promises, and I will be a person, by your grace, who produces much fruit. I will see your will done in my life, in the name of Jesus, and you get glory. Amen. Thank you, Lord.